Well, that was good. I wrote that. <laughs> good morning. Thank you. This is, this is really early for artists. Uh, I, to- I always tell the nine o'clock, I'm not sure why you're here. I'm, I, I don't think that God comes to like 1030-ish. He kind of comes in the building because he's an artist. But we're so glad they came at nine. Yeah. So this is kind of weird. There's two of us. So it's true. How are we going to do this? And... Ladies first. All right. That is optimistic. (laughs) In the beginning, God created. These are the first five words of the Bible. It is the very first way that God introduces himself to us. Not as savior or redeemer or rescuer or forgiver or king, but as creator. He then goes on to tell us in some detail what he created and how he created it. The pinnacle of his creation comes in, the verse, in verse 27 of Genesis where he says, So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. We are created in the image of a creator which I believe makes us all creative. I'm not saying we're all artists with a capital A. I'm not saying you should run away and join the circus or take an acting class. I'm sort of saying that you should all take an acting class. Or that you should quit your day job and take up watercolor painting. But art and creativity is at our foundation. We were made to create, to make something of the world. That's one definition of culture. We are all creative in the way that we plant our gardens, that we choose what to wear in the morning, what color to paint our houses, or how to cut our hair, or what font we type in. We were built for beauty, and we are built for story. The Bible, the most dominant means through which God communicates his truth, is full of visually dramatic stories. A survey of the scriptures reveal that about 30% of the Bible is expressed through rational, propositional truth and laws. That's all the sections that say do this and don't do that. 70% of the Bible is story and vision and symbol and metaphor and song and narrative. 70%. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God mostly through parables. Stories of widows and judges, fig trees and foolish virgins, of mustard seeds, of money lenders and wine and a man who had two sons. Are any of these stories true? Meaning, did they actually happen? And does that matter? The author Madeline Ingle says, it is through the world of imagination that takes us beyond the restrictions of provable fact that we touch the hem of truth. If you try to scientifically dissect a parable, you will kill it. And if you discard the carcass, once you have the doctrine, you have discarded the heart of God. You see, there's a correlation between religion and creativity because both are metaphor-making, meaning-bestowing processes. In other words, imagining is part of the way that we construct meaning. 
We imagine the way the world is and how it should be. The Puritan theologian Jonathan Edwards wrote, such is our nature that we cannot think of things invisible without a degree of imagination. I dare appeal to any man of the greatest powers of mind, whether he is able to fix his thoughts on God or Christ or things of another world without imaginary ideas attending his meditations. Isn't that what faith actually is? Imagination. Imagining things that are not yet. In Hebrews, we read that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by God's word so that what can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. I think my mom knew that I had an active imagination, that I was creative early on, but as any good pastor's wife did, she promptly enrolled me in piano lessons, which was like going to the dentist for seven years every week. <sighs> She knew I was creative, and I knew I was creative, but she didn't know I was an actor, and I didn't know I was really an actor in particular. You see, I sort of danced around that word metaphorically, because we evangelicals, we don't dance. Before I finally accepted that I was an actor, I was an artist, I, that I fully accepted it and stepped into that. And then I remember telling people that I was going to be an artist, and they would ask me politely, are you going to be a Christian artist? I don't actually know what a Christian artist is any more than I know what a Christian plumber is or a Christian veterinarian. I am a Christian and I am an artist, but I don't actually paint pictures of crosses and I don't actually sing songs about Jesus. I am a really proud Christ follower. But sometimes I think we like to use the word Christian to put in front of things because it is safe because it will separate us from them. Us Christian artists or Christian whatevers from those secular artists and people. It's just us. <laughs> I'm a storyteller who is simply interested in telling stories that matter. You see, I think that art should be more like church and church should be more like art. Both should leave you challenged and changed. I have no interest in telling stories that leave you only with a catchy tune to hum on the way out to your car. Some of the best stories deal with questions that have no answers and the realities of a broken world and a God full of grace. As an artist, I often walk the delicate balance of portraying both the light and the darkness. I don't always do that perfectly. Often Christ followers are prone to want to lounge leisurely in the light of the goodness of God, and we don't want to acknowledge the complete brokenness of our world, the addiction and the abuse and the deceit that lies just beneath the shiny veneer that we put out into the world and the outright evil that some of us actually live in the middle of and is the actual reason why he came in the first place. We can also be prone to wallow in the darkness and the muck of our human frailties, forgetting that forgiveness is always an option and redemption is real. I struggled to live in those two worlds and tell stories with honesty. I believe that Creating art is a high calling and I feel is worthy of my time and my talent and my treasure. 
Art pulls us out of the everyday and encourages us to dream, to be other people, to go places we've never been, to sit in the sentence, I wonder. Art should ask hard questions. Art should tug at our emotions, allowing us to empathize with someone else's story. Art should showcase non-traditional beauty. Art should sometimes make you uncomfortable and sometimes make you feel right at home. Art should not be that rare indulgence that you allow yourself, but something that you seek out on a regular basis. Art should not be on the fringes of our society or of our churches, but should be seen as necessary and ridiculously important to creating a better society and just better people. Art is meant to be created and experienced in community and reflected on together. Art should be a catalyst to relationship, not just entertainment to be consumed and then forgotten. Good art is not necessarily true, but it is honest. Good art reflects the heart of the creator. Good art is a conversation with God. Why do we only do arts and crafts in kids' church? If you reach under your seats, you should have an arts and crafts package right now that, no, I'm just, did you bring your glue stick? You know, art and imagination and creativity sometimes, they seem like kind of fluffy words, right? The outskirts and, uh, you know, we're adults now for the most case and, uh, and don't engage in that. But artists and creatives are essential to the life of the church and the health of society. We need men and women who've developed their imagination, their creativity, and their hope in the goodness of God. Now, you are designed by God to be a culture creator. Economies do not exist without creativity, ingenuity, and community. This is the way God intended it to be. From the beginning, God commissioned you to contribute to your family, your village, your city, your community, your country. He commissioned us, made in the image of God, to create every part of the culture we live in. Then he calls us to be salt and light in that culture all the time. Imagination should drive Christians to create and curate our culture. This is the way we offer hope to a culture drowning in divisive politics, self-righteous propaganda, and digitally enhanced isolation. And I'm sure you're suffering from at least one of those today. The world is looking for something to connect their imagination to their heart and to their soul. Now, media and art are powerful incarnations of our imagination. What happens up here, what happens in here, comes out in what we create. It manifests into something that somebody else can look at and be touched by. Art and media can offer everything from despair to hope while packaging it in a capsule of entertainment. It influences our politics, dinner discussions, and our social media antics. Joel Pelsu from Arts and Entertainment Ministries in Los Angeles writes, For a significant part of the last century, the Christian community had two basic responses to art, media, and entertainment. Number one, some Christians saw it as the enemy and responded by avoiding or demonizing it. Other Christians embraced the culture, often giving up the very heart of the gospel in the process. It became a social gospel which lacked the power to transform. 
Both options failed to be redemptive and transformational. Christians who withdrew often pursued purity while abandoning the culture. And Christians who engaged often pursued relevance while abandoning the heart of the gospel. So how do we balance creativity, art, media, and our Christian worldview, which is what we believe about God and the Bible? It's the emotional impact that art makes that's such a powerful tool in ministry. And yes, art is a ministry tool to spread and share the gospel. It brings people into an experience. With the experience comes an understanding that they might have missed out on entirely. For example, how many times have you cried during a sermon on the crucifixion? As powerful of a story as that is, central to our faith, and yet what kind of emotions were stirred when you saw it on the big screen when Mel Gibson produced The Passion of the Christ? It brought you into a whole new level of understanding and experiencing the suffering of Christ. Of all the identifying characteristics of humanity, art is the most uniquely human. Birds may sing, but they don't compose music. Fireflies may dance, but there's nothing in their movements that indicates artistry. In fact, the very ability to associate these instinctive behaviors with fine art is itself a distinctly human trait. Art is human expression. Regardless of the subject or the form, every artist expresses something of himself and his beliefs. Now, the Apostle Paul was an expert at using the art and popular culture of his time to share the gospel. Paul was familiar with the works of poets, playwrights, and philosophers, and he often quotes them to make a point. For instance, he alludes to Stoic poet Aratus while speaking in Athens, the center of Greek culture and philosophy. In Acts 17.28, we read, In him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for indeed we are his offspring. Paul uses the quotation from Eridus to make an apologetic argument for God's existence. If the Athenians are God's offspring and alive, then God also must be living. We also see in 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul cites a proverb often attributed to the Greek comic playwright Menander. It says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Although several verses in the Old Testament make the same point, Paul found it more fitting to cite a popular writer to communicate with the Corinthians in familiar words, in a way they would understand. Paul's use of cultural images and metaphors made the gospel accessible to a wider audience. And isn't that our goal? Don't we want the gospel to spread and for people to know Christ? Christians often speak of the need to change their world for Christ by becoming active in politics, business, and social affairs. And that's true. But too often, they're ineffective because of their limited understanding of the humanity and the culture that they're trying to change. It's for this reason that a study and appreciation of art becomes important because you remember what I said a moment ago is that artists, what they believe, what's going on in their world and in their heart comes out in their art. If you want to reach the culture and understand that humanity, seeing their art and their expression is a powerful way to gain understanding as to how to reach them. So what does it look like to transform culture through art? If we look in the book of Exodus, there's a great story. Um, the story of God redeeming his people when they left Egypt. After centuries of their immersion in the pagan idolatry of the Egyptians, God transformed the Israelites' understanding of culture and art by commissioning an artist. 
In Exodus 31, we read, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. So the first person in the Bible filled with the Holy Spirit was an artist. And yet we miss that when we read that scripture. We barely notice it. Though this is not a commonly preached passage, it was pivotal to the Israelites. After Moses led them out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea. Three months later, they're at the base of Mount Sinai, awaiting God's directions. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. But something else happens on that holy mountain. We find this amazing passage where God specifically calls an artist, Bezalel, to do the work of building artifacts for the tabernacle. In fact, a third of Exodus is spent describing artwork. A third of it. When the Israelites heard God wanted them to build a tabernacle, they would have been in shock. Why build anything akin to a temple? They'd been rescued from slavery, oppression, and the task of building temples for kings and idols. Horrific things happened in Egyptian temples. Their memory was still fresh with the blasphemy that would take place in in those buildings. But God chose an artist to help change the way the Israelites viewed the temple. From a place of horror to a place of holiness. From blasphemy and abuse to beauty and intimacy. Even this act tells of God's character as one who redeems art, artists, temples, and entire cultures, including the Israelites and us sitting here. In Exodus, we learn God would redeem everything they knew of culture. He didn't look at the misguided and misdirected worship of the Egyptians and conclude, ah, they're too corrupt to redeem, forget that. Quite the opposite. God rejoiced over the opportunity to show that he redeems all things, including pagan temples and pagan hearts, including us. That's the power of art and what God wants to do through that expression. There is nothing impacting our society more than artists. That's a bold statement, let me say it again. There is nothing and no one impacting our society, that's all of us, more than artists. They are telling us what to buy, where to eat, what car to drive, where to vacation, how to get your next spouse, what to feed your dogs, and how to smell. They are defining what we think about sex and beauty and money and family and God. I firmly believe that a 22-minute sitcom can have more impact than a sermon or a speech or a thesis paper. I am an artist, and even I don't think that's a good idea. I often go into high school classrooms as part of my job working at Ambrose University, and when I go into a Christian or a Catholic high school, I will often ask the students how many attended church on the weekend, and this could be like a Tuesday. For those who did, I will say, tell me something about the service or the sermon. They might be able to remember maybe a, a theme, but not one of them will remember a scripture or a PowerPoint slide. But if I ask those same students, who can tell me something about Star Wars? The original one. Every 
single one of them knows what a Wookiee is. They know that Luke and Leia were brother and sister. I'm sorry if I ruined that for anyone. And that the Death Star was destroyed, but that Darth Vader got away to fight another day. This is a movie that was made before they were born. The best teacher can hope that they'll remember what we said until the test, and then they'll forget it. But artists are deeply impacting and influencing us and changing our worldviews. This is why I create. I want to put better stories out into the world. I want to be in the conversations that are about changing the hearts and minds of people. It is also why I am an arts chaplain to this community because I want to influence the influencers, the people shaping our culture. They are full of innovation and inspiration and loneliness and self-doubt. They make on average, working full-time on their craft in Canada, $24,000 a year, which is below the poverty line. They struggle with identity, gender, sexual, otherwise. They wrestle with addiction and isolation and mental health. They are critical and they are criticized. They are unique and they are like everyone else. They are in need of our God. I am an artist because I was tired of standing back and crossing my arms and criticizing the stories that were coming out of Hollywood or downtown Calgary. Stories that tell us that life doesn't actually mean anything, that humanity has no great purpose. Stories that say that our God is not good and this world is without hope. Stories that tell, her, tell us that personal happiness matters over everything, that beauty actually is only skin deep, that the ends justify the means, that our sexuality is our own business, and if it feels good and everyone else is doing it, must be okay. These are not my stories. These stories are dangerous. The stories that I want to tell are about living in the tension of really bad things that happened and a really good God that I am clinging to. About the possibility of redemption, about caring for the least of these, of being image bearers and grace givers, of trying to make sense of the senseless, providing hope for the hopeless. These are the stories worthy to be told. I'm a big fan of the local church. I worked at one that looked just like this for about 15 years. And I know the power of when this is working right. I continue to see this as the bride of Christ and the hope of the world, but I also know that most of our friends and colleagues have been changed more by sitting in the dark with strangers looking at a screen than they have in the pew. This is not a slight on churches, it's just that Hollywood actually gets it. They get that we were built for story, that it's the way in into our hearts and our minds and our conscience. Strangely enough, so did God, as he was a storyteller. That is why he wrote us a great story full of drama and death and love and adventure and good versus evil and atonement and mystery and ultimately a happy ending. These are the kinds of stories he wants us to tell and wants us to live. We were wired for this. 
I started Fire Exit Theater right around the same time I started working here. Both of these opportunities have allowed me to speak to very different audiences. Every week, thousands of people come into Center Street Church in all of our locations, and I am very aware that there are some of you here today that don't want to be here, that you were dragged here by your mom and your girlfriend and your grandma, and you're just waiting for us to mess up or for the time to just tick away. I'm also aware of the hundreds, maybe thousands of us that come here every Sunday because it's actually just what we do before we go to Denny's. No slight on Denny's. Who doesn't like Denny's? These are the people that I'm thinking about when I'm writing dramas and producing videos. I think about the majority of Calgarians that will never set foot in a church. We have to go meet them where they are. And for me, that's in the theater, on the stage, and in the rehearsal rooms, and in the audition rooms. The mandate of our company is hope, challenge, change. Our stories can be challenging, dealing with the mess of humanity, the consequences of sin and the grace of God. They are not all family friendly, like most of the Bible. I am convinced more than ever that we must be culture makers, choreographers and graphic designers and screenwriters and photographers and novelists and singers and dancers and actors and storytellers or we must be patrons of the arts, people who tangibly support art and artists. The church was the original patron of the arts, the home of the best musicians, the best poets, the best stonemasons. I'll be honest, most of those people have left the church now. But the church used to understand the power of supporting art. We still need patrons. You need to buy tickets to sit on arts boards, to commission work, to send your kid to dance school, to buy paintings, and to simply make a donation. I'll be in the lobby after. <laughs> I may be biased. I most certainly am. <laughs> and I may be naive. But I believe this is how we will actually change our world. So let's bring this to you. What does this mean to the average Center Street Church member or attender sitting here? I believe God has called many, if not hundreds of you, to create. After all, God is a creator and we are made in his image. We must have the spark of that within us. Maybe you're blessed with a career path that allows you to be creative and imaginative. And this goes beyond painting and music, dance, theater, film. We're talking about woodworking and baking, crafting, landscaping, construction, drafting, and a myriad of other creative outlets. Uh, some of you have passions that have been extinguished by life circumstances. Kids, jobs, health, age, and other things. I feel like God is calling these creative passions back to the church and especially to this body of believers here. Quick story about my calling into film. In 2012, I was working at two Calgary radio stations, and uh, it, was, it was my dream job. I never thought I'd leave there. It was good money, good benefits, and, uh, and a lot of security. And in a time of prayer, I was praying about our family's finances, and I felt like I heard God say, quit your job, and I'll pay your mortgage. 
I was like, whoa, okay, well, I'm creative. I can come up with that storyline. God, if this is you, you better, uh, you better make that clear. So I was reading through the book of Isaiah that month, and in Isaiah 31, uh, first few verses paraphrased, or Israel, why do you trust in horses and chariots instead of the Lord your God? For I'm going to make the helper fall, and the one being helped will fall as well. And God said, Ryan, you're trusting in Egypt and horses and chariots, meaning the things of this world for your security. And I said, no, God, I know you pay me through the radio stations and my benefits, and it all comes from you. He says, great, we'll quit your job. And I keep forgetting that God's so good at chess that I can never win. And so we were watching, my wife and I were watching a documentary film the following month. It was a few weeks later, I guess, and I heard God say, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make a film that glorifies my name. I'm like, God, I don't know how to do that. And he says, don't worry, I do. And I said, well, I, I don't know who to interview. I don't know missionaries and, you know, people around the world. He's like, don't worry. I know everybody. I'll introduce you. So it's another good chess move on his part. Um, so, uh, you know, after a, after a night of uh, prayer one night, uh, complaining to God that I didn't have enough finances, uh, you know, to even get the equipment I needed, miraculous provision uh, showed up. Uh, I talked to my wife about it. Thankfully, she's crazier and more wild than me, so she was on board before I even finished the sentence. And uh, I said, okay, God, well, I've got I've to build a film. I've got to provide for my family. You know, I've got my third child on the way, and my wife has got used to eating every day, and I want to continue that. Um, how are we going to pay for this? And and he said, you're not allowed to fundraise. You're not allowed to ask for any money. Uh, just bring all your needs to me in prayer, and I'll provide. And, uh, and so six months after I heard that first call to do this, uh, I stepped out from my job into the unknown. And uh, after the following year and a half, we released The End of Churchianity, a documentary about uh, God's work through average ordinary believers like uh, us and uh, what he wants to do through us when we surrender everything to Jesus. Since then, I finished my second film, End of, Dirt, uh, End of Churchianity 2, uh, produced my third film, The Missing Project. Some of you may have heard about it, a pro-life documentary um, trying to rescue some uh, babies in our world. And... Um, We've reached over 8 million people through our YouTube channel in over 200 countries around the world. And because I believe in artists and creatives so much, we've started a group that ministers to people in the film and entertainment industry uh, here in the Calgary area. And so I want to just challenge you. Like, what is God stirring in you? What's been forgotten? Or what's coming to mind? What's coming? Because that's my story. And your story's not going to look the same. And we serve a creative God. I mean, if Hollywood can make a million stories, he can do like 10,000 stories here today and write something new or change your story in a new way, or maybe he's already doing that. What is he speaking to you? It's going to look different, and that's great because you have different people to reach with your creativity. We live in a disposable world. Right now, we're in, we're in the dollar store age, right? Where if it's broken, you just replace it. If it you know, needs fixing, forget it. We'll just get a new one because everything's so cheap. That is not the heart of God, because unfortunately, that mindset creeps into our relationships, right? If, if the marriage isn't working, the job's not working, the friendship's not working, just get rid of it, let's get a new one, right? It's just disposable, but God isn't, isn't like that. He's a redeemer, he's a fixer, and so you might be sitting there with a broken life and a hurt heart and something that needs, needs repairing. We've heard that that's what God wants to do. He wants to restore that, redeem that, and use that to reach somebody else who's hurt and broken. And that takes creativity, the creativity of God. How, how is he going to fix that in your life so you can take that to someone else? 
That's the, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's why we serve and worship Jesus. And, and God wrote the coolest story ever. Whoever would have thought that to get rid of our sins, he'd have to send his son to die on a cross. Like, that's just like out of left field. Nobody saw it coming, including uh, all the people 2,000 years ago. So whatever you're struggling with today, God can use that. Turn that into art. Use creativity. Reach the world. Let's spread the gospel and let's glorify Jesus Christ because ultimately he made you and you are a work of art. Don't ever forget that. God bless you.